0: So White Fang by Jack London. White Fang was a book written in 1906 by Jack London and what this book was about was about a half wolf, half dog. He was a breed and in the beginning of his life, you know, him and his, he really lost a lot of people. Him and his brothers and sisters used to always fight but then really like when he was really young, all of his sisters and brothers and all that, they all got killed, had birth. So he was with his mom and he was separated from his dad and with his mom, you know, they had troubles because there was always a lot of famines and during these famines they'd have to go migrate for food and then one by one of like his pack and his family would die off and after this he gets separated from his mother these, pe- these people pick him up and these really bad people and what they do is they turn him into a fighting wolf and they put him in cages and they make him fight against all types of animals pit bulls uh, do- other dogs and he always wins he, he never loses White he's, one of the- he's the greatest fighter he always wins and eventually he, did, he develops this thing where like he he was only part wolf. He, he had no dog in him. He was never compassionate, he was always just fierce. He never knew how to love because nobody really loved him, his owners. But then he gets these new owners who are really compassionate towards him and they love him and they care for him for him. And once they do this, he becomes a really good dog and eventually he he develops a sympathy for he develops sympathy and he ends up becoming an actual dog. And eventually his instincts turn over to the dog side of things and he becomes a very good dog. And basically yeah that's it.
1: Welcome to Memento Mori.
0: This is your host Gibson LeGarton. Our first topic will be theme and central idea for the white fame. So throughout white fame the main uh, central idea and theme that I noticed was probably survival of the fittest. Okay why do you say that? uh why i think this is a survival of is because throughout uh the book white fame faces a lot of controversies in his life for example all his uh all of the famines that happened and his family getting separated from him like when he was really young He still had to figure out a way to persevere and really, you know, make it work. And especially when he got taken by those rude owners. And once he got taken by them, he had to become a fighting dog. And when he had to become a fighting dog, he always had to fight. He had to fight for his life no matter what. And that really played into his characterization, which made him really a really ferocious dog. And he had to survive throughout his whole life. Now, are there any direct quotes that, uh, that you can match with this? Well, one of the first quotes that I can use is... The aim, the aim of life was meat. Life itself was meat. Life lived Life lived on life. There were eaters and they were eaten. The law was eat or be eaten. Now, how does that quote relate? Well, the reason why it relates is because when he was a fighting dog, he, he had to realize that if he didn't fight and if he didn't win, it was done, he was done for. He was going to get killed or he was either going to die. So, he had to realize that no matter what. It's either eat or be, and which is another you could actually use that as another theme. It's either you're either going to strive and survive, or either you're going to go down in the dirt and you're not going to be able to survive. And another example I can use is he had come to know quite thoroughly the world at which at which he lived. His outlook was bleak and materialistic. The world he saw was fierce and a brutal world, and without much warmth. A world which caresses and affection and bright sweetness did not exist. And with this quote, it really shows me that you know White Fang understood that nothing was going to be given to him. Throughout his whole life he had to face these hardships and he realized that no matter what, he was never really going to get a fair shot at anything so he had to make sure that he always fought for everything he had and there's really none, nothing that was given to him and he always had to fight for what he got.
1: Our second topic
0: is characterization. Can you uh, elaborate on that? Okay, so the first character we're going to be talking about here is White Fang. And th- throughout the beginning of the book, he's a very ferocious dog, half dog, half wolf, of course, because he never was really—he never really learned how to love. Because in the beginning of the story, he was uh, attacked by random animals, and throughout the famines, you know, he had to fight for food. You know, it was never easy. He never really just got to get what he wanted. He had to fight for everything throughout his life. But he's really—he's really, he's really a, dan- a dynamic character because throughout the story, like when he gets taken by uh, sorry—when he gets taken by the good, when he gets taken by this good family they really nourish him and then he has to learn how to not be ferocious and how to be like an actual dog instead of having his wolf instincts and he becomes a regular house dog and becomes really genuinely a nice dog and starts to learn how to love people, starts to to feel sympathetic and just has emotions essentially. So that's uh, basically the characterization of White Fame. So you want to talk about any other characters you want?
1: Yes. Kichi, the she-wolf, she was like the leader of the pack where she would, what was it called, help him through the famine, and help them survive. One example was when she led the group to fight Bill and Henry.
0: And basically, what he means by that is like, she, like how he characterizes her. She's, she's a very strong character. She had to have a backbone because, you know, she had to take care of her kids. She was the leader of the pack. And you know, one thing, that was also was her son, and you know she had to have a really hard, strong backbone, you know, to take care of the family. And she was like a very, really, really tough and strong character, and she could never really show emotion because she never really loved any of her kids because she was always worried about getting them through it, everything through all the famines.
1: And did you want to add anything on the other characters, Bill and uh, Henry? Yeah, Bill and Henry were the two humans in the beginning where they were camping in the in the woods with their dog, and they saw wolves. Um, out in the wood, and Bill was the one that started off. Where hey, he was the first to die, as the wolves needed to end their famine to survive.
0: And would you describe these characters as like, like good characters, or like just like mean, like harsh characters? The humans,
1: Bill and Henry. Bill and Henry are good, but like they were, they could look as dangerous as they were, like the first to fire at the wolves mm-hmm. but Kichi, she, she, she could go both ways yes she was attacking humans but they were she was both trying to survive and also protect your children in a sense yeah which
0: all roots back to the theme survival of the fittest exactly because you know they never had it easy throughout the family you know they always had to find a way to survive and thrive it was never just okay let me do this let me do that I get what I want it was more of a you have to work for what you get for example, either be and either you're going to eat you're going to eat somebody or you're going to get killed and eaten.
1: And for our third topic, we will be talking about the author's choice. Quick monologue.
0: So, author's choices. So, the first thing I want to talk about is the perspective of the book. And throughout the book, it's told from the wolf's point of view instead of usually how we're, how humans are used to being told from a human's perspective. And this really gives us an insight because when White Fang was getting abused, you know, it showed that he had emotions too. Like, he felt that even though as humans, if we told from a human perspective, we'd be like, oh, it's just a dog. It's just an animal. It doesn't have feelings. It doesn't care. But really, in reality, White Fang showed us that, you know, he did care and it did hurt him. And another thing I want to talk about is since it is told from the author's author's choice, uh, the perspective of the wolf, throughout the story, we really see what the wolf has to go through because if it was just told from a human's point of view, you'd just be like, oh, I just make these dogs fight. You know, it's not really a big deal. But White Fang showed that, you know, it wasn't what he wanted to do. He wasn't wired to fight. But, of course, his owners, of course, they showed, they, they made him fight. And it even showed when he was in the ring with the pit bull, his perspective of, you know, like, what am I doing? Like, it's, it's, it, there's a quote, and it was talking about how both dogs, they didn't know what they were doing in that ring at that moment. Like, they had never seen each other, and they really, really came to a realization, like, you know, like, what are we doing at this point? And another thing I want to talk about is the imagery that he uses. And throughout the book, he uses a lot of he uses a lot of imagery to really make the story more vivid than it actually was. Because at times the, the story could be dull, but when he uses imagery, it really made it really live in the atmosphere. For example, when he talked about how White Fang had uh, ripped had uh, killed the lynx, he used very descriptive imagery to really describe what happened and what and how like superior White Fang was to all of the all of the other animals and throughout the book when he when he got uh when he got bullied by other wolves when he was on that uh, when he was with that one family he got bullied by other wolves and he showed that you know he wasn't gonna back down it was almost kind of like from a human perspective because you know humans get bullied but in this case it was a wolf actually getting bullied by other wolves and he showed that he would never back down and he seemed to persevere throughout story whenever anybody tried to come up to him you know he would always be ferocious and he would never let anybody kill him he would never let anybody suspect him you know he was he had a lot of pride and he was always and he always felt as if he was right and everybody else was wrong and he really showed that and essentially that's pretty much what happens throughout the story so the author is portraying human traits through white fame, the white fang the Protagonist. Yes, exactly. Throughout the story, you know, he shows emotion, which is a really human, human-like human thing to do, of course, because we all have emotions. And, of course, he, he uses White Fang to portray that. Interesting. Okay, and do you have anything else to add, Yul?
1: Yeah, where you spoke about pride, how White Fang had pride, and he was showing aggression against humans. But we can also see this in humans as we... Once we go through, like, hardship, we also develop a pride where we fight or, like, we block any outside
0: thoughts. Yes, exactly, because, you know, humans, once you get pride, you don't want to lose it. So if anybody tries to approach you, you're going to be very harsh to them because, you know, you want to feel like you're important. You want to feel pride, which is another human characteristic that's portrayed through white fame. For the fourth topic... We'll be discussing entertainment values and social messages. Uh, so, the first thing I want to discuss is about the entertainment value. Now, with White Fang, you know, I thought it was a very good, interesting story because throughout the story, you know, although it was kind of dull at, at points, uh, Jack Jacqueline did a very good job with imagery. Like I said before, he did a very good job with imagery and wordplay in order to make the story more vivid and interesting. And for example, like I said before, when they got in fights with, do- with other dogs or when they had to kill to other animals during the famine, you know, he like, as, like it wouldn't as, seem as interesting if he just said, oh, they had to fight the dogs. But, you know, he used he's a lot of vivid imagery and a lot of... Uh, nice descriptive words in order for us to really picture and understand what was going on during the story and I thought it was really enter- entertaining because throughout the entire book there was always action you know there never feels like a point in the book where like it was just kind of boring you know he was either always fighting he was either trying to survive throughout the whole book it was just action 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 which I think really lay- really raised the entertainment value from what it would have been if it if there wasn't as much action And as for social messages, I think probably the best way to describe what social messages has is to fight and don't give up. Because throughout the story, he had to fight for his food. Like, for example, during the famine, he had to keep fighting and fighting and fighting for his food and fighting for his family. That being white fang. But, you know, it's in real, in life. It's easy to just you know give up once and just like, just not try. Or, like if you fail once, you just stop. But you know, he kept fighting and fighting for like his life. Persistent. Yeah, exactly. He's very persistent, very diligent, and he really worked hard to like keep himself alive. And you know, I thought that was very interesting because you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't expect that from like, from a from a wolf half a dog. You know, like you'd expect that from like yeah from an animal exactly because like it, that goes back to the part where. Uh, the author's choices because he makes it so that we see it from the wolf's point of view and the wolf's point of view he makes us he makes it, uh he shows us really the emotions that the dog is feeling and with this that also boosts entertainment value and as for social messages once again he always fights he never ever ever gives up throughout the story and even towards the end when he starts to feel sympathetic and starts to feel you know really like like he feels like a real dog even takes a bullet at one point at the end of the story to save his to save his new owners because he really felt an appreciation and a love for these owners and yeah that's pretty much it for how as far as entertainment value and social messages go so the final element of our podcast will be the literary elements displayed in white fang so the first quote we have for you is the cup had broken through the wall of the world and the unknown had let go of its hold of him and I use this quote because I felt it was a very good description of imagery of what was happening in White Fang's life. So for the first time, White Fang had seen an animal get killed. So when his mother, of course, mother, mother and father, when they had been hunting during the famine, he, he sees the meat get killed. And when he sees this animal get killed, it's almost as if it's a new life for him because he had never experienced this before. This was his first time. So it was almost as if, you know when you think about a newborn baby a newborn baby it's like they, they they have all all this innocence and you know they're pure just like just like this cub it was a pure nice baby but when it's exposed to this killing it it becomes something else becomes something different and that's why i thought this would be a very good use of imagery because it really paints a vivid picture of what what was going to happen to a uh, white thing now that he has seen this happen now that, that now that he has seen what how to get food and now it really puts this mindset in his mind of all right. In order to get food, I have to kill, and that really puts this violent mindset inside of him. And the second quote we have here is, "There was no escaping that grip. It was like fate itself, and it was exolerable. And this, I think this is uh, another good source of imagery because it shows that Cherokee, when he had, when, when Cherokee had uh, took White Fang, it was almost as if it painted a picture in the reader's mind that this could be it for White Fang, even though the story was clearly not over, it almost gave a sense of mystery and suspense, and it almost gave us a sense of, you know, this could be it for White Fang, and, you know, it really made us infer what could actually happen, because when, the way it was described, that the grip was exolerable, and he couldn't get out of it, it was like, okay, this might be the end for White Fang, and the fact that, the fact that he used the word exolerable paints this image in my mind, which is the imagery that this grip was like, and, like you cannot, he cannot get out of this grip, which means that he will, which he will die, which then leaves the reader to think that oh my god, like this is, might be the end for White Fang. So that's why I thought that would be a really good part. To that's why I thought this was this was a really good example of the imagery. And last but not least, the quote that we have is, "They were fire makers. They were gods." And this is a hyperbole. And the reason why it's a hyperbole is because. When White Fang sees Bill and Henry light this fire, it's something new for him. Because, you know, he's obviously a dog. Half dog, half wolf. He has never seen this before. Because unlike a human, you know, if we saw somebody light a fire, you know, it'd be like, oh, whatever, it's cool. But when White Fang sees this, it's unfathomable. unfathomable, I'm sorry. Unfathomable because he has never seen something like this. Like, as a human, if for example, as a human, if I saw a wolf talking, it would be crazy for me. It would be godlike. Which is why, when he saw this spark of light and this... uh, he thought the spark of light was really just something above him. It was godlike. and You know, since he's obviously a dog, a dog half wolf, an animal, he saw this as really like just something above him as a god, which is why I thought this would be a very good example of a hyperbole because he's really exaggerating because just to us, we just think, oh, it's a fire. But to him, he thought making this fire was like godlike at the point. And with that final thought, this concludes our podcast. This was done by Nahome A., Nahome G, Johannes A, and Yule. Thank you.